0: So we're in John chapter 21, chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, The second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest where thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee where thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among their brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple who testified of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true and there are also many other things which Jesus did which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Wonderful passage, isn't it? Uh, Very interesting passage to read through and follow the um, intonation there of what Jesus was saying as well as what Peter was saying. And, and then, the, of course, the ending there which um, indicated that Peter was going to perhaps meet an untimely death uh, because of his service for the Lord and that John would not And we do know that John uh, probably did die of old age and not of martyrdom. And that he wrote a book at the end of the age concerning the end of the age called the Book of Revelation, which does mention the second coming of Christ. And we do know that uh, in practically a, a normal way of thinking, John lived out his life throughout his days, as John the Beloved. Well, this is an interesting passage. Uh, Many things can be drawn from it, and so we're going to look at it and draw out a few things, and I trust some of them perhaps you have not heard, though you may be quite familiar with this narrative here. Well, there are four different areas we're going to be looking at. First of all, uh, Jesus said, Do you love me, feed my lambs? And Jesus uses the word agapeo, which is a higher form of love than um, Peter uses. And again, Peter, uh, we find Jesus says, Do you love me, using the same word agapeo? And then he says, Feed my sheep. And we know there's a difference between the lambs and the sheep. And the thirdly, he says, do you love me? And this time Jesus uses the word phileo, which is a lower form of love than agapeo. The phileo love is more like a brotherly love or a fondness for someone. No doubt the same kind of fondness that you might have for a good friend or someone that you think a great deal of. Uh, And then he says, feed my sheep again, using that same phrase there. And then, of course, in the last end, uh, Peter is required to give his all. Um, As is generally considered uh, concerning this passage, it seems to be written, uh, especially in this particular section here, Directed toward Peter, because Peter denied the Lord three times. Now Christ asks him three times, "Do you love me?" You know, when when Peter was uh, um, at that point in Gethsemane, he was ready to strike off the ear of the servant for the protection, if you will, of the Savior. So he was all about being bold and brave and courageous, and and he would do anything. He would never deny the Lord, and um, he was full of his own self, kind of in a way. Now he was one of the disciples, and we always have to be careful of this, don't we? We have to be careful of being too full of ourselves, even though we love the Lord. We know that if we do, it can lead to a downfall. And of course, Peter did have a downfall. And and Jesus even told him, uh, even said to him, Peter, you know, right now you think you are uh, uh, very brave and courageous and you are ready to follow me to death. But in fact, what you're going to do is you're going to deny me. Three times, not once, but three times. Before the cock crows. And Peter, of course, did do that. Much to his great regret, no doubt. I'm sure he did not want to, in a very real sense of the word, in following Jesus as a disciple, certainly did not think perhaps himself capable of denying the Lord. But he does. So against this backdrop, we have seen uh, various uh, meetings that Jesus has had with the disciples. Kind of upper room meetings or exclusive meetings with the disciples. Once without Thomas, once with Thomas. And Thomas was, became quite embarrassed over the situation and finally had to admit, yes, this is Jesus. And then, now this particular meeting at the seaside of Galilee, we find that... The disciples have followed Peter to the Sea of Galilee and Peter has taken up his former occupation of fishing and he's not having very good luck at it. Uh, In fact, he's pretty much failing at fishing. And uh, perhaps he is thinking to himself, you know, I haven't done such a good job of being a follower of Christ. You know, sometimes we think that too. Sometimes we say, well, I haven't done a very good job at following the Lord. You know, we, we, we look at, the, at what's, what we have done in the past and what's going on presently, and sometimes we, we have regrets. I'm certain Peter did too, but Peter, bigger, perhaps Peter's biggest regret at that moment was that he was with the disciples and he couldn't even catch a fish. <laughs> but Jesus, of course, uh, had other plans. Uh, he had not left his uh, disciples alone. Um, and uh, remember, he the last time he did meet with them, he breathed on them and uh, imparted to them the promise of the Spirit of God. Well, now Peter is being dealt with. Kind of in a personal way, and many of the many of the people who've studied these passages consider that this is kind of a restoration of Peter. Uh, Peter had kind of you know he, you might say well he 's backslidden at this point he he has kind of lost his zeal in a sense um, and um, and sometimes, you know, we do that too. Sometimes we lose our zeal for the Lord and, and uh, we're kind of drifting a little bit. Well, here's Peter and the disciples. They're on the water. They're kind of drifting uh, and they're not catching any fish. <laughs> and Jesus uh, on the shore, he, he uh, encounters them. They don't recognize who he is at first. And uh, they ask, uh, uh, he asks them if they have any food and they know they don't have any food. And uh, then he, he uh, instructs them to cast their net on the other side of the boat. And uh, of course we know what happens. There is a great uh, net of fishes which are caught. And they are not little fishes, they are big fishes. And uh, they are all quite amazed and elated. And in fact, uh, John, the beloved, immediately recognizes it must be Jesus and he announces it so, and then Peter uh, puts on his coat that he had taken off so he could work, and he puts on his coat and he, he wades ashore. He casts himself into the water and he makes for land just as fast as he can uh, to meet Jesus. And so it kind of picks it up right there. Um, in the context of things... You know, we're still talking about the disciples. Peter is very much in the forefront. In fact, Peter had become somewhat of a leader of the, of the disciples in the absence of Jesus. And he says, I go a-fishing, and they all say, we're going with you. And so they all follow him to the sea and jump in the boat and go off on their little uh, fishing expedition. But it appears that Jesus has a greater fishing expedition than they do. Jesus wants to truly reel in Peter to where he is more grounded and settled. And sometimes the experiences of life are like that. They ground us better and settle us better in the things that really matter when we want to serve the Lord. Sometimes, like Peter, you know, we're more zealous than we are fruitful. Sometimes like Peter, we're more impetuous than than we are level-headed. Sometimes like Peter, we're more willing to jump out of the boat and make for land than than we are to wait on the Lord. And uh, so we find that uh, the Lord had some some real important uh, um, message to convey to Peter, and uh, it appears that, yes. Some of the disciples seem to be focused on a little bit more than others. And God has a purpose for doing that. We're not all the same. God uses us differently in different places for different reasons. And Peter was, was going to be used upon this rock. I will build my church. Uh, Jesus was trying to prepare Peter for greater things. And just like uh, when Paul came to faith in Christ, uh, he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the church of God. But Jesus had other things in mind. He had greater things in view for Paul. And he had to knock him down before he could stand him back up. And many of the experiences that we face do this to us. And we have to wait on the Lord to allow him to do that work. Well, here is Peter, and now Jesus begins to communicate to him about a very important part of his restoration. It was about love. How much do we love the Lord? And for Peter, of course, this was a sore spot. It's kind of like a wound that was open. And somehow... Jesus needed to rein him in a little bit. Because previously, you know, he was all about doing it and, and he was just going to do it on his own. But now, now it is important for Peter to realize that if he was going to serve the Lord, he had to do it the Lord's way. And of course, that's that's important, isn't it? That when we serve the Lord, we have to do it the Lord's way. And so, as we begin in verse 15, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, interesting, uh, Pastor Roo preached on Jonah this morning, but this isn't the same Jonah, of course. <laughs> but it's interesting that sometimes these things pop up this way, don't they? lovest thou me more than these and the word lovest or love here is the word Jesus uses and it is agapeo and it's a higher form of love higher form of moral and social love well we never can love as good as God does can we? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son well try that one out for size you probably won't be able to do it practice pretty much guaranteed But this agapeo love was a higher form of moral and social love. And Jesus says to Peter, do you really love me this much? Do you really love me this much, you see? And and then he says, lovest thou me more than these? Well, the commentators are all over the place on the word these. What does it refer to? Some of them say it refers to the disciples, others of them say it probably more refers to Peter's profession of fishing. Now remember, they were fishing, and they were catching nothing. And one of the kind of the the biggest things that a fisherman can do is to catch a big fish and in this case it wasn't just a big fish, it was a whole net of big fish 153 big fish (laughs) and um, you know kind of like maybe saying something in this regard, Peter what's your ambition? is your ambition only to fish? and to catch fish? is that your only ambition Peter? do you love me? He says, do you love me? Lovest thou me more than these? More than your ambition to fish? More than your desire to fulfill your occupational goal? Do you love me? Well, even if it is referring to the disciples, there are two different words for these. One is in the neuter and one is in the masculine. And the text uh, have a variety of usage on both of these. So rather than to be dogmatic about it let's just say that um, if you look at it in the context the disciples are there and Peter's occupation are there is there. And that is basically uh, then probably the intent. Because he doesn't use the word brethren or brothers here um, he doesn't use uh, anything like that. So it could be referring to his occupation and his ambition in life. What is your love? What is your great love in life? Let's put it that way. What is your great love in life, Peter? Is it, agapeo, a higher moral and social love, or is it simply a phileo love? What is your higher love in life? Well, you know, as we serve God, the highest goal of love that we can have, the highest form of love we can have is the agape of love. That's the highest. And the brotherly love, the full of love, is something that, you know, most people can muster up that, you know, to love your brother. They can do that. He saith unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And the word love that Peter uses is, you know, his foil. He doesn't use agapeo. Now after his denial of the Lord, you can imagine why he probably wouldn't use the higher form of moral and social love. Because he had kind of failed in the first attempt at saying that he was going to be of so courageous and so bold, and, and never deny the Lord and stay with the Lord, and, and yet he proved himself to deny the Lord. And so we find Peter uses the word for love, which is just a fondness or a brotherly love. He saith unto him, Jesus, now feed my lambs. Now, there are of course three different usages of "feed" in relationship to lambs or sheep, and the first being, of course, the lambs. And uh, we find that, uh, of course, a lamb is a young is a young sheep, if you will, he is a young sheep. And we find that the disciples were young, the disciples were. Um, Neophytes, as we you might say, they were they were new in the ministry, young in the faith. There would be many opportunities for Peter to feed the young in faith, if he would feed them and love them, as God desired for him to do. And so he begins by with this expression. My lambs. Referring to the younger. In verse 16, this is the second uh, statement, of course, that he gives. Here he says, He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And again, uh, Jesus uses the word agapeo here as well. He uses the same higher moral social love that one would love toward God, and in service for God. And so, again, he is impressing upon Peter. What does it mean to, what is your greatest form of love and service to God? Will you you feed my lambs? Will you feed the young in faith? Will you do that? And then it says, he saith unto him, yea, Lord, Peter does, Thou knowest that I love thee, and the word again Peter uses is the word sin, for I owe love. He doesn't change the usage. The same. Um, again, as we look at Peter's life, you can probably see at this point he has been humbled. He is he has been humbled before the Lord, considering the denial that he went of the Lord. And when you think about Christian service, isn't that one of the prerequisites for us serving God? We have to be humble before God before we can serve Him. And and in fact, that's what generally happens when we come to faith in Christ. Because we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge that, that we have sinned against God. We acknowledge that God alone can forgive our sins. We acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves. And... That it, it's only by the grace of God and the mercies of God that we can possibly have a relationship with God. And we acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior. We acknowledge that He died for our sins. We acknowledge that He shed His precious blood for us. His sacrifice was what was needed for me to come to faith. You see, that's that's Humility. God humbles us. But then when it comes to serving God, we know we can't lose that humility if we're going to serve God. The minute we think that we know it all is the moment God will let us know we don't. And the minute we think that we have the the answers for everybody and even the pat answers of the scriptures, we find that many times we don't fully understand. And we need to employ of the Lord his work in our own hearts that we can understand what we are reading in the scriptures. And so Peter, he, only, he, word, he used the word for again. He saith unto him, now Jesus says unto him, feed my sheep. And of course the sheep are the older the older lambs. Aren't they? They've grown up into sheep. We, we perhaps have all seen the, the picture, the artist's rendering of Jesus as the good shepherd of the sheep. And, and all of these sheep are kind of clustered around Jesus. Uh, some of them very close to him, some of them a little bit further away. And usually there's a black sheep in the picture and he's kind of the farthest away. And we equate the black sheep uh, as one who is, is just out there on the fringe somewhere and needs to be drawn in to the shepherd. But the shepherd keeps a close eye on the sheep, all of them. The ones that are near and the ones that are far away. Probably one of the hardest things we do in Christian service is to watch for the sheep. Because, you know, the sheep have a mind of their own. And they want to do whatever they will. And you cannot change their mind. Remember, Jesus is even here employing Peter to consider what it means to love him and to serve him. Peter has every ability to turn away, even once again, if it were not for the fact that God was drawing him unto him. And so now Jesus says, not only my lambs, but my sheep. And then in the third case here, he saith unto him the third time, Jesus does, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And again, Jesus employs a word for love but it is not the same as he used before. This time, it is the word "phile." Jesus uses the word philel. Perhaps because it is more realistic that God would tell us that you may be capable of loving but I have got to teach you to love more than phileo love. This, perhaps Jesus is just really saying to him, Peter, you've told me two, two times that you love me phileo. And now he says, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me phileo, This This brotherly, this fondness, this fondness kind of love Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time. Now see, this is having a, have an effect upon Peter, isn't it? It's, it's, each time that he, he talks to Peter, he's, it's having an effect upon him. You know, we can say the same thing. Each time God works in our lives to get us into the place where we should be, it does have an effect upon us. And if it's working the way that it is supposed to work, we become much more humbled and much more grieved over our, over our present condition. And, and Peter was grieved over this. Peter was grieved, it says, because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? so here again he employs the same love and this this time again is the word phileo used twice here lovest thou me and he said unto him lord thou knowest all things thou knowest that I phileo thee the third love the third word for love is the same it is the word phileo. Now, see, God does know our hearts, doesn't He? It's a very, very difficult thing to to say that we have agapeo love, agapeo love for Jesus. Very difficult. Sometimes I hear people say things, you know, that I say, oh, I wish they wouldn't say that. And I've heard people say, oh, I have great faith. You know, they'll say, uh, somebody will say something about faith and trusting God. they oh, I have great faith, no problem. You know, they'll, they'll kind of boast about it, you know, a little. And I think to myself, really, I wish they wouldn't say that. Because... You know, it's kind of like in this particular case. You know, Peter thought he was doing so great <laughs> before. And now Jesus is trying to, to um, impress upon him, Peter, you really didn't have that kind of love for me that you said you had. You didn't have that agapeo love for me when you denied me once and then twice. And then the third time it really showed up, you didn't have that agapeo love for me. You didn't even want to admit that you knew me. And and now Peter really is, you know, it's really gotten to him now. But Jesus says, saith unto him, feed my sheep. It's interesting that even though we do not measure up, to Jesus' standards, he still, as, as Christians, uh, as believers, as his disciples, he wants us to do the very thing that we do not feel capable of doing. Now perhaps at this point, you know, Peter would, would probably say, Lord, how can I possibly do what you want me to do with only a fire or love? I couldn't even love you. How can I love others so much that you want me to feed the lambs? You want me to feed the sheep? You want me to feed those who are in need of being fed? When it comes right down to it, we cannot do this on our own. But see, that's what, that's what God calls us to do. He knows we cannot do it on our own. So he begins by getting us to recognize that we can't do it on our own so that we will be able to do it as unto him. You see, that's that's really what Christian service is all about, isn't it? You wouldn't stoop down and wash the disciples' feet take and in water and wash the disciples' feet. We don't find any of the disciples doing that. But we find Jesus doing it. And so we, we have to come to that place. Peter had to come to that place where he would realize that it's only, it's only from the Lord that I'm going to be able to do this. It's only as I commit my whole life unto the Lord Am I going to be able to do this? Half-hearted service for God seldom accomplishes much. And so we, you know, we find all kinds of hymns in our hymn book which indicate to us that we need to give everything unto the Lord. I am thine, O Lord, higher ground. Take my life and let it be. It's the test that Peter went through. Peter's test of love and service. Jesus had to do this in order to get Peter to the place once again where he wouldn't go out and make some big courageous statement, but he would in humility follow Jesus as he should, as a disciple. Not because of his own ability, but because of what God meant for him to do. To follow him. You see. And that's all the Lord wants us to do is to follow him. He'll give us what we need when the time comes. If we have the right heart, the right heart of humility, the right heart of service, the right heart of true loving, in a true loving way to to do those things that God desires of us. You know, sometimes we think we have to be like somebody else who seems to be so great at it. Jesus didn't ask Peter to do that. He just wanted him to come to the realization that he could not do it on his own. He could not do that on his own. And so the last, the last love that Jesus uses is, do you love me all?" Um, maybe we could say even that if Peter had possessed that kind of love way back there in Gethsemane, he probably wouldn't have struck off the, the servants here and he probably wouldn't have made outlandish statements about what he was going to do. He would have been like the other disciples, who just simply were probably greatly struck by the whole matter and stunned, um, astonished by it, somewhat shaken by it, but You know, John becomes kind of like one of those people in the whole group who shows us a love for the Lord that it just kind of is written about naturally throughout his whole life. He's just called John the Beloved because Jesus loved him, and he loved Jesus, and there was just no question about it. And who was the first one that recognized Jesus? John. Yeah. (coughs) So that love that that John had was was a pretty good example, if you will, of the love that we ought to have for Jesus. And so now Peter is... (coughs) if you will, he's restored to some sense of service. And as if that wasn't enough, we find that Peter is required to give his all. Um, Of course, these people that we meet in the Scriptures, they don't stand as the only person that these things apply to but they do stand as an example to us of how we are to serve God and live for the Lord. Such as, you know, in this particular case, Peter. Um, What one of us think that as believers and disciples of Christ that we don't have to give all for the Lord. In fact, that is probably the the kind of the predominant uh, thing that is in our hearts and minds when we first come to Christ and we, and we, are, when we are brought to saving faith. We just want to serve the Lord so, so much. We're full of zeal and, and joy for the Lord. We just want to go out and save the world and witness to everybody. Well, in verse 18 we find that Jesus tells Peter what was ahead, so to speak. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest where thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee where thou wouldest not. And, if that isn't easy enough for us to understand, uh, John explains it in verse 19. This spoke he, signifying by what death he should die, he should glorify God what death he should glorify God. And so it explains it right there. It meant that Peter was going to suffer martyrdom. At the end of his life, others would, would uh, take a hold of his body, if you as it were, his hands, and stretch them out. And he would die to glorify the Lord Jesus. Of course, if tradition and history bears out truthfully, it seems that Peter was crucified upside down, according to tradition. And, you know, I suppose when we... None of us want to do that in the natural sense, do we? No, none of us want to. But we'll find that all those who give their all for Christ to the to this ends degree in some sense do they get they end up giving their lives for the Lord it isn't required of everybody but some people it seems that God does require it for them to serve and we find that John of course was not one of them although it seems that Peter was somewhat concerned about what was going to happen in John's life then Peter verse 20 turning about seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also leaned on the breast at supper on his breast at supper and said lord Who is he that betrayeth thee? Well, we know this was what what went on. John was was next to Jesus uh, as they were lying down in the upper room in that position of eating off a very low-profile table. And he was the closest and next to Jesus. And they were asking the question, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? And now Peter, of course, uh, in verse nineteen, he's asked. uh, Jesus asks him. He saith unto him, "Follow me, follow me." Now, of course, he had asked this question before, and and um, to the disciples, and and when he said it to the disciples, he said, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Interestingly, this particular occasion was a fishing occasion to catch fish, but it wasn't the kind Jesus wanted them to pursue. He wanted them to pursue catching people for Christ, telling them the gospel, explaining to them the message of salvation, that the Messiah had come, the one who came to die for their sins according to the scriptures. And so Peter, he, he is somewhat... His again, his focus isn't directly where it should be, is it? And um, and so Peter seeing him, that is John, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? You know, he's, sometimes we get a little bit out of focus, even at this particular moment when you would think Peter would be most focused on what the Lord was saying to him, he's more interested, well, what about, what about John? You've asked me to follow you, but see, John was coming right along following, and Peter said, what about John? You know, we, sometimes we get distracted, don't we, in our service? We think about, well, what about, what about that person? You want me to follow you. What about that person over there? What about that? It's a good idea not to look at other people too much. It's a good idea. We all do it, of course. We, you know, it's one of the things we're prone to do. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. We're all prone to wander from what God wants us to focus on. We're supposed to be focusing on following Jesus. But here Peter is. He's focusing on John, and Jesus has this, "What is that to you, Peter?" He has to kind of put him down, doesn't he? What is that to you, Peter? And so, verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow me. Again, he says, follow me, Peter. He asked him back in 19, follow him. Then he got, he's, his, he got his eye on John because John was following. And now he has to put his, get his focus back in the right direction again. He says, what is that to you, Peter? Follow me. Follow me. Isn't that one of the things that's most difficult for us, is to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, to keep our eyes where they should be? Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will, Daddy Terry, till I come, what is that to thee? You know, instead of. Uh, we, we all, here is something else we do. We always misinterpret things. We sometimes try to read other people's minds as though we know more about, or about what's going on in the other person's life when we really shouldn't do that. We ought to be focusing on what we are doing and whether or not we are following the Lord as the Lord wants us to do that. You see. But no, he, Peter, he's looking over there, looking at John. And then, and then all of a sudden, the rumors began to spread about what Jesus said and, oh, oh John isn't going to die until the Lord comes. So, and here's the other thing you know, sometimes we, we put words in Jesus' mouth. You know how often preachers do that? They they put words in Jesus' mouth. Make him say things that he didn't say. If anything, I think we should be very careful with doing that. We ought to say what the Bible says and let it be. You know, there's there is obviously there is some discrepancies, but they're only very minor. It's kind of like if there, if there are if there are any scribal errors in the Bible, they're so minute that they don't change the intent of what either a verse is saying or what the Bible is meant to be interpreted as. It's kind of like this passage here. You get hung up on the word these back in 15 and all of a sudden you get all out of joint over what is going on here. It's not a good idea to do that. If it wasn't said exactly, then let's just take it into the context of what it says and let it go with that. You know, people put put words in Jesus' mouth and they begin to they just take rabbit trails and go with it. You know, it's not a good thing. And John even brings up this occasion to say so. Uh, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Jesus says. This is the disciple who testified of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true. This identifies John. He's the writer of the, the gospel. And John takes usually a very backward position. He doesn't identify himself very much. He's just called John the Beloved or that one who loved the Lord. It takes very so John is a picture of humility. Let's let's if you want someone to really example for humility other than Jesus, one of the disciples, probably John is a pretty good example to us, but Jesus is a better one. And then at the end, how magnanimous it is to say this. Verse 24, you know, John gave his witness, and we think that that is so great and wonderful. But then John does one better, and he says, He says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself, could not contain the books that should be written of him. No, John didn't write them all. <laughs> because Jesus is God. He is from the Father. He is the incarnate. He is the second person of the triunity of the Godhead. No, the books in this world could not contain all that Jesus has done. They are little pictures. Examples to us. Testimonies to us. Witnesses to us. Of Jesus. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And of course, in eternity past. And eternity future. Peter's test of love and service was something that he needed to get back on track. And I think any time we get a little bit off track. It's a good place for us to be too. To just do a check on, our, on how much we love the Lord and whether or not we are following him as he requires us to. And that we're not looking at somebody else and saying, oh, what about that person? It's enough that we can, we have to keep track of ourselves and follow the Lord Because that's a pretty big job. For me, I know. I don't know about you. But for me, it's a big job. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us and pray you will bless your word to our hearts and encourage us, Lord, in our walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.